0: Uh, you'll notice that the order of the reading of the text this morning has been reversed. We'll begin with our New Testament reading, which today <clears throat> comes from the letter to the Hebrews, uh, a single verse from the fourth chapter of that book. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. For the word of God is living and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Here ends this reading from God's Holy Word. Our New Testament reading um, from Hebrews and our Anthem today, which is based on the same theme, are all about the Word of God and the power of the Word of God. So is our Old Testament reading, which is going to be the basis for this morning's sermon. It comes to us from the book of the prophet Isaiah in the 55th chapter, beginning at verse 10 continuing through verse 12. And again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. For as the rain, indeed, and the snow come down from heaven and down and down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth thoroughly, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. I find it edifying that the editors of our Bible, as they were working diligently to sort out and to assemble for our benefit, the many different sources that would become this collection, this canon that we know, began to tell the story of God at the beginning. A pretty good place to start, as the Von Trapps could attest to, and that at the beginning, or more precisely, in the beginning, it was the word which God sent forth that contained within it the creative power. To call into being all things that were and are and evermore shall be. The image that you see on this morning's bulletin cover was meant to convey this with sound waves on the left being transformed into mountain peaks on the right. In a similar fashion, in the gospel according to John, as the evangelist is recounting the life, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus, he frames the story of the Messiah using the very same formula as that found in the beginning of Genesis, as he tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and that the Word was with God, and that the Word was God. Both writers in the era of the Old Testament and the New understood both the venerability and the primacy of the word. And here in this snippet from this week's Old Testament reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, we hear another powerful testimony to this reality that comes straight from the source, God himself. Now, providentially, this past Monday night at our session meeting, the devotional that I shared with the elders at the start of our gathering was about words, and that was even prior to my consultation of the lectionary to see what the suggested preaching texts were for this week. I was inspired last Monday night to Present the devotional idea based on a text from this book of the prophet Isaiah, uh, 12 chapters prior. It's the, the same book that brings us this morning's Old Testament reading. So on Monday, I read for the five others in the room a short bit of dialogue that was taken from the script of the very first scene in the very first episode of The Chosen. I went to the beginning. This is the series that we've been watching during the adult Sunday school hour just preceding worship. One of the many interesting creative choices that the writers of that series made was to begin their entire gospel harmonization story with Dialogue that took place between a young Mary Magdalene and her ailing father a bit prior to even the birth of Jesus. As many children experienced, she was having trouble sleeping one night on account of being afraid afraid of something she really couldn't put her finger on. Her anxiety led her to get up and go to her father beside. The light of the dying fire and seek comfort. And when she explains what's wrong, her father puts his arms around her and gives her that big fatherly hug. And then he asks her, What do we do when we are scared? And she responds, We say the words, to which her father adds, Adonai's words. From the prophet, and then he pauses and waits for his little girl to chime in, Isaiah. From the prophet Isaiah, right. And then he begins to recite what we know as chapter 43, verse 1. Thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. And he encourages her to finish this sentence, which she dutifully does. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. These words, Adonai's words, have the power to cast out fear. Whether you are a little girl afraid of some unknown entity that keeps you from sleep, or whether you're Old and afraid of some all too familiar anxiety producing foe, the words still have the power to cast out fear. They do so because of their unique origin. There are no other comparable words in all the world, for these are not just words, but they are as astutely. Noted by Mary's father. These are the words. These are the words of Adonai, of God, which are preserved for us in the pages of Holy Scripture. The Bible. The book. Not just a book, but the book containing The words. And of these words, we have God's promise here in the 55th chapter of this same book of the prophet Isaiah. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. What God says is what He does. And what God promises always comes to pass. Eventually. Maybe not on the time frame we would like. Maybe not as we were hearing this morning in our Sunday school lesson. Maybe not soon as we understand it. But it will come to pass. That... that, my friends, is a guarantee that you can take to the bank a more secure deposit than stocks, bonds, mutual funds, or precious metals. The word of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. And it is powerful. As the author of the letter to the Hebrews put it in our New Testament reading of earlier, indeed, the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. God showed his power as he created everything simply by calling it into existence, by speaking the words of creation. And it was. And God has called into existence The new creation through his word, the word made flesh, his son, our savior, Jesus, the Christ. There's a new movie set to be released later this month. As I understand it, it's a somewhat sensationalized, somewhat historical biography of Oppenheimer, the father of the atomic bomb. He began his work under the auspices of the Third Reich, which were quick to see the potential of developing and deploying such a weapon. Of course, this nation, while slower to innovate, were the ones who would sponsor Oppenheimer's work and bring it to final fruition. But since unleashing this unparalleled destructive force as a race, we have subsequently harnessed that force, for peaceful ends as well. These are the things that I've been thinking about this week, and they have brought me to a place of reflection, of reflection on the power of God's words and his words that have been granted to us by God, for they are even more powerful than the most powerful thing that we have created in our history as a race we have been given an extremely powerful gift in words. It's been said that the pen is mightier than the sword, and the words of God are the mightiest ever to have been penned. The Apostle James, who recognized the great power of words for drawing people to Christ, lamented mankind's propensity For abusing the power of words. When he chastised his fellow believers. Saying of the human tongue. With it we bless the Lord and Father. And with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters this ought not to be so. And so, I am reminded of the awesome responsibility that has been entrusted to us. What we say matters greatly. And most important, what we say about God matters most. As I said a couple of weeks ago, one of my pet peeves is all the irrelevant talk of God which has become so commonplace. We ought not to be part of the problem. We have a duty and a responsibility to speak plainly yet carefully about God as we, the church, are his body. And if the body is not speaking in harmony with the head, well, then we're doing something wrong. I'm also reminded how emerging technology has amplified our once rather small voices, no longer Do we have to be a pseudo-celebrity or to spend a bunch of money securing a syndicated talk show in order to reach a large and diverse range of consumers? Nowadays, it is less expensive and less complicated than ever to have your words heard by a prospective global audience as the words spoken and sung right here, are being disseminated to hundreds of listeners in dozens of foreign countries. It is testament to this new reality. And it calls for a renewed sense of humility and reverent responsibility. Words have power. And words about God, words of God, have unparalleled power in the days when Josiah ruled as king over the Judeans and Hilkiah was the chief priest in Jerusalem there was uncovered a copy of a lost collection of scrolls together a book they were the holy scriptures which the peoples of previous generations had parted ways with, when they were discovered, an investigation was launched on behalf of the king, as he said, go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our father's have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according to all that was written concerning us. This king understood the power of the words of God and fear and trembling seized him when he realized how these words had been dismissed and neglected by his people. He was to order them to gather in a sacred assembly to hear what had been written long ago and to undertake a ritual of confession and repentance to avoid condemnation and the accompanying divine punishment of a neglected and spurned God. Henceforth, they declared, the words were not to be ignored but heeded. Henceforth. The words were not to be forgotten but recited. Henceforth the people of God would remember their heritage and repeat his words to their children and to their children's children. This is what was depicted as happening between Mary Magdalene's father and his young daughter. Henceforth All believers, disciples of Christ, are obliged to speak, to speak the words, to speak God's words, to speak truthfully and yet carefully of our God. For words spoken as ambassadors of Jesus are to their hearers words about God, And they are, through the speakers, the words of God. And they are therefore endowed with incredible power. Power which God has promised will fulfill His divine purposes as His words shall never return empty. And for that, we may truly say, Thanks be to God. And Amen.